Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to talk about the books they love. I'm Shannon, and I'm here with some twin action today. We have <laughs> Stacy and Sarah. We are the S Brigade, and we... <laughs> Recording on Wednesday, the 19th of September, 2018. So, we are here today to talk about fairy tales and mythology and some fictional retellings of these things. So, hello, everybody. Hello. Hello. So, today is the day of fairy tale retellings, which Kind of have some crossover with mythology so we have quite a few fabulous things to tell you about i do want to um just give a couple of quick housekeeping things before we start we have now a facebook page and you can find us on facebook by searching book bistro podcast all one word we also have an email address, so if you have questions, comments, suggestions, anything like that, please feel free to email us at thebookbistropodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. Again, thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. Yay! We're getting yes. all official. <laughs> we are. Eventually, we will have a Twitter page set up as well. Um, I just haven't quite gotten around to that yet, but I will. One step at a time. Yes. <laughs> you can do it. I, I will. So we are going to move into some fabulous fairy tale retellings. Stacy will start us off. Then I will go next. And Sarah will finish up the round before we start all over again. So it's going to sound a lot like there is one person speaking, but Stacy and Sarah are in fact two separate people. So it's going to be a very fun twin sounding podcast tonight. The first book that I'm going to talk about today is one of my favorites by an author that I really truly adore. And it's, this is actually the first book that I read by this author. And, um, to kind of start off, I have a bit of a Beauty and the Beast obsession. Um, I can sing everything from the Disney version. Um, I can sing just as well as like how Belle sings. I'm really amazing at it too. Um, um, just like don't a believe her. <laughs> just like a true Disney princess. No, but I've had I've always had a thing with Beauty and the Beast, and I know there's some dissension about um, the story because of the kidnapping elements and some other things. But um, I saw the the Disney version for the first time when I was 13. And it was right when everything was decorated for um, Christmas time. And we were at the mall with um, an aunt who took all of her nieces and nephews every year to see a movie. And this movie came on and it just filled my heart with excesses of sappy joy. And so that's when my obsession with all things, you know, Beauty and the Beast and French and delightfulness all began. So the first book I'm going to talk about is To Beguile a Beast by Elizabeth Hoyt and it is the third book in the Legend of the Four Soldiers series. And while the series is best read in order, this is the first book I read because I saw that it was sort of like a Beauty and the Beast type book. So in this book, we have um, a woman named Helen, and she is a mistress to a very 
loathsome, odious man. And with this awful man, um, she's had two children. And he is not kind to her and does not treat her well. So she sneaks away with her children to go and hide at a castle of um, someone that an acquaintance of hers in London's um, owns. And she's going to go up there and pretend to be a housekeeper, despite the fact that she's never done one housekeeping task in her life. So she gets up to this castle and meets the owner of the castle. And he is a very embittered, scarred um, man who was um, kind of caught in the crossfire of war. Um, I believe it was the American, what what war was it? It's in the 1740s. I think it was the uh, American, I'm sorry, I can't remember what war it was. But anyway, he was just there actually um, to... Um, take notes about the flora and fauna of um, the colonies and ended up getting stuck in this war and um, lost an eye and some fingers and got very scarred and is very angry now and bitter as one would expect a beast to be. So this whole story just kind of focuses on how together these two damaged souls kind of are able to come together and, you know, find this deep, beautiful love. And just as things are looking so delightful for them, um, Helen's past comes back to threaten everything that they hold dear. And it is just a delightful book from start to finish. So if you're looking for something really wonderful and kind of historical romancy to read that does not take place in a London ballroom, please try To Beguile a Beast, The Legend of the Four Soldiers, book three by Elizabeth Hoyt. Does Ashford McNabb narrate that if you get it from Audible or is it someone else? Sadly, no. It is Anne Flosnick. And so Ah. um, that is the one challenging thing about the Legend of the Four Soldiers series. If you get them on Audible, that is the narrator. And either you really like her or you really don't. And I have found other narrators that I prefer. Sad. But it does not detract from the story in the least, if that's how you want to read it. Excellent. So I'm going to stay with this theme of movies that sort of enchanted us as children. And for me, that was The Wizard of Oz. Oh. And from the time I was about three years old, I was like crazily obsessed with The Wizard of Oz. My grandma went to Vegas and found for me these figurines of like the munchkins <laughs> and Dorothy and the scarecrow and the cowardly lion, who of course is my favorite, the tin man. And there was just like all of these and they were fabulous. And they had like the little like yellow bricks that they were standing on. So if you stood them all in a row, the bricks all like joined together. It was amazing. <laughs> anyway, this has like nothing to do with anything except that my first pick is a Wizard of Oz retelling. Well, kind of a retelling, kind of a like what happened after. And this is a series by Danielle Page, and I'm going to talk about the first book. It's called Dorothy Must Die. Oh, I've heard of that. And yes, it is delightful. It is nothing like the Oz of my childhood. Like, this is in no way how I ever imagined that Oz would be. And yet, it's, it's magical and mysterious and a little bit dark and so much fun. Anyway, our main character is a young girl named Amy, Gu- Amy Gum. 
And she lives in a trailer. And one day, as you might expect, a tornado comes. And it swirls the trailer up, 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 and transports her to Oz. But this isn't an accident or a coincidence. Instead, it is somehow arranged by something called the Revolutionary Order of the Wicked. And they have some knowledge about Amy, and they know that she can save them because Oz has undergone a really terrible change since we saw it in like the wonderful Wizard of Oz. And the yellow brick road is crumbling. The winged monkeys can be executed now for acts of rebellion, even if they're not really rebelling. And you see Dorothy returned to Oz and became super power hungry and has now taken over Oz and is ruling it in quite a terrible way. And as you can probably tell from the title, Amy's mission is to assassinate Dorothy. Therefore, Dorothy must die. And this was just wonderful. Um, it's certainly not the kind of like happy-go-lucky tale that you might want to read. So definitely be prepared for a little bit of darkness. But it is wonderful in so many ways. And I cannot wait to finish the series. I think it's a quartet. And there is also a book of short stories. And I'm not much of a short story fan, but I will probably read those just because I want to spend as much time as possible in the Oz that Danielle Page has created. So again, this is Dorothy <laughs> Must Die, the first book in a series of the same title by Danielle Page. I have to read that. It sounds amazing. You should. It's yeah. so, so good. I have to do it tomorrow or maybe the next day when I finish what I'm doing right now. And Sarah, I'll tomorrow buy it the next day. I'll buy you a drink, Sarah, if you sing like the munchkins right now on this podcast. No. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I could Well, which one? The, the lollipop guild people. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I just wanted to say it. <laughs> I actually can imitate them. Right. I will not do that to all of our poor listeners. But that would be Christine fun. Christine can talk like the munchkins. Oh, see, we need to have a party. Yes. An Oz imitation party. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Miss Sarah. All right. So um, I am going to talk about a book that I really enjoyed. I will probably be covering a couple, Beauty and the Beast, and I'm trying to break them up and go not all Beauty and the Beast in a row because, like my sister, I was at the same movie event and really, really love that. But we will not start with that one. We will start with another book based on a myth that is my favorite myth of Hades and Persephone. The book is called Goddess of Spring, and it is written by PC Cast. It's actually the second book in her series, and I believe they – the name of the series is like goddess summonings mm -hmm. because all of these people in these different books do unintentional and sometimes intentional, but not realizing they're really calling a goddess things to try to make their lives better, or learn some interesting things. There is one that's based on beauty and the beast, but since I'm talking about some other ones, I won't talk about it, even though I loved it. There's also one based on the little mermaid. Well, kind of the little mermaid ish. 
that I also liked. But one of my favorites is the second book in the series, which is Goddess of Spring. And the book is about a woman who owns a, an Italian bakery in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And she's struggling to make this bakery successful. And one day she gets this Italian cookbook. And there are these really great recipes in it. And there is some recipe for summoning a goddess. And she's like, whatever, but I'm going to try it because I'm really, my bakery is failing and I just, I need something because I love feeding people and nurturing people. Um, One thing I forgot to add is that she is not a 22-year-old heroine, which I actually really like. She is in her, I want to say late 30s, early 40s. I want to say she's 42. That's the number that's in my head, but she might be 38. And she's just (laughs) not 37 numbers, 42, 42, 38, you know, but what I love about her, she's this really nurturing person. She loves feeding people. She's very curvaceous. She's just a really, I, she's a neat heroine. So she summons a goddess unintentionally and it's decided that Persephone, the real Persephone, can take her place in the bakery because she's out growing things and produce and springtime, and she will breathe life back into the bakery. But the problem is that the heroine of the story, Lena, has to go and live with Hades for a specific amount of time. And so they switch places and Persephone appears to be, to look like Lena and Lena looks like Persephone, except for she has her wisdom and her knowledge. And so she is not just like a pretty face and she goes to the underworld and it's very dark and sad and lonely and over time she of course brings warmth and joy to Hades and he of course falls in love with her and she is pretty nervous about well what are you going to think of me if you could really see who I am she doesn't want him to know that she's not really Persephone so while Persephone is transforming this bakery Lena is transforming Hades and also the underworld and making it a joyful, nurturing place. And I don't want to give too much more away because if I do, you'll find out more. But one thing that I really liked about this book that PC Cast didn't do with some of her other books is she gave it an epilogue. So it's not an abrupt ending. And I love that. So if you like these kinds of books, you may want to pick up Goddess of the Rose by Oh, I'm sorry. Goddess of Spring. Goddess of the Rose is beating the beast. Just kidding. Goddess of Spring <laughs> by PC Cast. I really like PC Cast. I liked her um, House of Night series that I've she wrote with Kristen Cast. You probably wouldn't like it because it's very much YA. Oh. Um, oh. And it's set in a, a school 
of like vamp it reminds me a little bit actually of vampire academy by rochelle mead which i also adore so i wanted to try that one too but they're both kind of more young adult and i was afraid i would get mad you should try them anyway i mean i i think they're fantastic despite their ya status okay if you say they're good i trust you well thank you you're welcome thank you so earlier this summer I decided I needed to kind of branch out and read something just a little bit different than what I have been reading. And so I picked up a book called Uprooted by Naomi Novik. Novik? Novik, Novik, Novik. And this book is one of my top reads this year. And it's one of those books where I was reading and all of a sudden I realized it was four in the morning and I hadn't gone to sleep yet because I was so just enmeshed in the story and I did not want to put it down. So this book again is sort of, um, I, I feel like it kind of has some vague nods to the Beauty and the Beast kind of trope, but it's not necessarily, there's way more to it. There's a lot of um, world building in this story. There's a lot of other sort of fairy tale elements woven in. So the story takes place um, in a world where um, there is this evil wood that is encroaching on these villages and awful things happen. Like there'll be a fog and all of a sudden it kind of changes a person's personality or all of a sudden drinking water will go bad or like just all these terrible things. And so in order to, prevent the spread of this evil wood, this evil forest. Every year from, or every 10 years from a village, um, a young woman is chosen to go and stay with who everyone calls the dragon. He's like this wizard who lives alone in a tower. Um, and, and this woman has to go and serve him for 10 years. And then she is released back into the world. So our heroine, and I'm going to do my best to pronounce her name, I believe it's Agnieszka, and she knows that she will not be chosen because she is messy, and she always ends up with, like, stains on her skirt, and she's always tripping and falling over things and saying what she means, and she's, you know, in appearance, she's more plain, and she's very plain-spoken, but she knows it's going to be her best friend who's trained her entire life to go and serve the dragon, and on this day... No one is more shocked than Agnieszka when she, in fact, is chosen to go to this tower to serve this dragon for 10 years. And thus begins the most amazing story I've ever read. It's sort of like this epic adventure. There's lots of magic and there's, you know, lots of um, sort of these two people trying to figure out how to communicate and how to kind of coexist together. And there's this young woman who is nothing like the poised, dignified, beautiful women that he typically spends his 10 year time slots with. And she's always like, you know, spilling stew on herself. And anyway, so this <laughs> book is all about how all these things are happening. And in the meantime, this evil wood is continuing to encroach and taking over more and more space. And then there's these creepy tree people and creepy other things that are in the forest. And the thing that I liked the most about this book is that Everything, all that, everything and the conflict comes down to whether or not our heroine can kind of figure things out on her own. She gets to be the true heroine of the story. And there's, there's no like, um, 
you know, wizard swooping in to save her. She does all the saving on her own. And it's just a truly magical book that everyone should read. It is just amazing. And again, that book is uprooted and the author is Naomi Novik. Um, May I just add that we had a sisterly battle over who got to talk about this book because it really is that fabulous. And the narrator is also quite fabulous. And I wish I could think of her name right now, but she's just amazingly good. Yes. So Shannon, please rush out and read this book. So my next pick came out in 2002 and it was the debut novel by Juliette Marillier. And this is a retelling of the Celtic Swan myth that may be better known to Americans as the Wild Swans by Hans Christian Andersen. So this is such a lush, evocative story. It's the first book in like a six book series. And it's something that I read like so many years ago and I really want to reread it and I'm not a huge rereader. So our heroine is named Sorka and she is the seventh child of a seventh son. So she is the first daughter who should have been a seventh son. And she lives in this big castle in the Irish forest. And her family life is is blissful until her mother dies. And eventually her father remarries, but the woman that he marries is a sorceress. And the sorceress hates all of her new husband's children from his previous marriage. So she casts a spell, and Thorka's six brothers are turned to swans. And the only way that they will be able to resume their human shape for good is if Thorka creates each of them a very, very special shirt, and if she stays silent for many, many, many years until this task is completed. So this is one of those like sweeping epic novels that spans a huge amount of time. Um, it's kind of violent. There's quite a bit of, of rape and there's some kidnapping. And yet through it all, this writing is just so, so beautiful. And there's something so compelling about this. It's, it's a longer book. Um, I think in audio, it's somewhere around like 18 or 19 hours and it's just lovely and the books that make up the rest of the series are equally lovely although to be very honest I think this one will always be my favorite so that again is Daughter of the Forest it's book one in the Seven Waters series by Juliette Marillier this has been on my radar for a really long time and I keep looking at it and thinking, I don't know, is this something I would want to read? But, um, you know, I think that this is one I'm going to have to pick up because I love big, long, sweeping, dramatic tales, especially when they're written well. And it's, it's just luscious. Like you, you won't want to stop. And there are just so many more books in it. It's like this never ending 
like bit of time that you it's, get to spend in this world. It's going to be a 4 a.m. book when you know your oldest child has to be up at 6 to get on the bus at 7 and you can't stop reading that type of book. Yes, like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so my next pick is actually a book I found in the Audible Romance Package which was one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life to pay for because I have found so many authors that I never would have found before. Of course, because Stacy and I love Beauty and the Beast more than anything. The Except next... maybe Phantom of the Opera. Well, yes, Phantom of the Opera. But see, they're all kind of together, you know, Beauty and the Beast, <laughs> Phantom of the Opera. They all, don't they all kind of? They do. They... See, maybe that's why I love both of them. I don't know. But... This book is by an author that I never would have found without the Audible Romance Package because a lot of her books are short. And I don't usually use a credit to buy a short book. And usually when I'm doing searches to find new books, I don't look at the four hours and less books. And even some of the books that are six hours long on Audible, I do not read because I like a little bit longer of a book. But I'm so glad that I found this book and it is by an author and I hope I say her name right. It's, I believe Ditter Kellen, D I T T E R Kellen. And it's called Ruby and the beast. And I absolutely love this book, even though it is short, it is a modern retelling of beauty and the beast. And it takes place in new Orleans, which I love reading books about new Orleans anyway. And it's about a young girl named Ruby. She's actually like 20 or 21 when the, during the book, which usually I don't like because I'm not really into like really young adult type, new adult age people. But this book was so good and the writing was so great that I don't care. So Ruby is the main character, hence the name Ruby and the Beast. And she is called home from California where she's attending college to New Orleans because her father has died and she has to identify the body. So she goes home to identify her father's body and to take care of her brother who is nine years old and kind of become, you know, his, he, Neither of them have mothers, and it really doesn't go into where their mothers are. So she needs to become the parent to her little brother. So she comes home and identifies her father. And, of course, they were very close, and she's grieving mightily for the loss of her father and trying to take care of her brother. And they live in this beautiful home in the French Quarter. And it's, her father had a lot of money before he died. But she starts to learn that things were not really what they seemed and her father had this gambling problem and there really isn't a lot of money. So enter the beast who is one of my most favorite beasts from a beating the beast retelling. And again, I don't really know why I don't, but I just, I loved everything about him and this book, even though sometimes he'd get mad and kind of ragey and kind of annoying and kind of angsty but I liked him so much anyway. So the beast absolutely hates Ruby's family, hates Ruby's father, and is now thrown into a rage because he is dead. Because Ruby's grandmother cursed 
the beast's mother. I don't want to tell you why. Well, really more the father, but it was the mother that bore the brunt of the curse. And I can't tell you why because it'll ruin the whole book. But she, she put a curse on him, on well, the mother and the son. And so the beast has believed his whole life that the only person that could undo this curse was Ruby's father. And then Ruby's father is killed and he is so enraged. He wants to take everything away from Ruby and put her at his mercy because her family is the cause in his mind of his beastly looks and all of the bullying he, he, had as a child and his inability to be out in society. So he begins to systematically remove her home from her and kind of get her where he wants her. But the problem is that Ruby is a very kind and of course courageous because heroines in fairy tales in many fairy tales are exceedingly kind and courageous and gentle, but yet so strong which is it's kind of a fun combination and so the the beast unwittingly is drawn to her and yes her her outer physical looks but also her inner kindness and strength and gentleness and so even as he is setting up all of these elaborate ways to basically bring her into his web and his control he just can't help but help her and support her. And he wants to be near her always. And it's just this, to me, I loved it. And it was just, in my opinion, a very sexy book. And it was four hours. So it wasn't very long. I read it like in a day. And then I actually downloaded it again and read it again, like two months later. And I loved it just as much the second time. And I will probably download it again and read it for a third time. So if you enjoy Beauty and the Beast retellings and you like it more modern and you like a more sexy Beauty and the Beast retelling, I would highly recommend Ruby and the Beast by Ditter Kellen. Ever since I was a young woman, I have always had this fantasy of how fantastic it would be to be able to go and visit a 1920s speakeasy and to wear the fun dress and to have the cigarette holder and the martini glass. And, oh, yeah. you know, in this fantasy, I'd be able to dance the fabulous way of the 1920s. None of these things are true of me. Um, but in this fantasy, that's what I am. So I love the 1920s. I think it's a really interesting era with all the speakeasies and everything else. And so when I discovered that there was a book based on the 12 dancing princesses that was written, um, that takes place in the 1920s, I just had to read it. And this book is just so charming and delightful. It's called The Girls at the Kingfisher Club. And the author is Genevieve Valentine. And in this book, there is a man who lives in a mansion and has uh, 12 daughters because he keeps trying to have a son and this man's wife basically spends all her time in bed getting pregnant for him. And that's, that's her, that's her goal. That's her role in life. Um, she has the energy to visit her children like once a year. 
And then at some wow. point, yeah, exactly. And at some point, and, and these, and these 12 girls are hidden in his house and they're locked away in the house. So the oldest who kind of oversees and kind of takes care of all the younger sisters, her name is Josephine because his Love name is, name. well, his name is Joe or Joseph and he, she was supposed to be his son. So she's Josephine. They all call her Joe. And she, um, sees um a a movie um when she's young about with dancers in it and that just changes her entire life and she teaches all of her her younger sisters to dance and then they all sneak out at night and go to clubs and dance and they're known at these clubs as the princesses because they're cold they're like very um standoffish with men and um yet they'll dance the night away in their in their in their dancing shoes and, you know, throughout this book, we learn that the father all of a sudden has decided he's going to marry off his 12 daughters. Um, and, and much happens with them as, you know, kind of this plot unfurls and they start meeting all these hideous men that he thinks are going to be good candidates to marry off his 12 um, rarely seen daughters. And the oldest daughter um, has a crush on a man who is thoroughly unsuitable for her. And this book is just absolutely delightful. And if you have the chance to read The Girls at the Kingfisher Club by Genevieve Valentine, really pick it up. It's just absolutely delightful. And it truly makes me want to sip a martini and do some sort of dance that I have no idea how to do. So That could be very interesting, both the book and the doing a dance that you don't know how to do. I know. I could, I, I could sip the martini. I don't the dancing part well it, they just describe all these like the foxtrot and charleston and like all these dances and i forgot to mention the really fun thing is i think um each chapter starts with um like a one-line thing and i think they're all lyrics from songs from the 1920s that's kind of what i'm getting from these so Ooh. just the whole thing is just extra fabulous excellent i want it you me must, too well i have it but i haven't read it you need to i will so, my next pick is Splintered by A.G. Howard. And this is a book that's based around Alice's adventures in Wonderland, which I really, really like. Um, and even as an adult, I have a strange kind of appreciation for Alice in Wonderland. So, in this book, we are introduced to Alyssa, and she is like the great great granddaughter of Alice who went down the rabbit hole and it turns out that all the women like the the female descendants of Alice have been cursed and people think that they're just like absolutely insane um Alyssa's mom whose name is Allison that's the other thing about these women they all have like names that are derivatives of Alice there's there's Alicia and Allison and Alyssa (laughs) So they're all kind of like Alice-based names. But Allison, who is Alyssa's mom, has been institutionalized for quite a long time. And when Alyssa is a teenager, she starts to realize that maybe there's more to what's happened to the women in her family. That maybe it's not just some sort of strange insanity. And through a series of rather bizarre events that I will not share with you, she ends up visiting Wonderland. 
And Wonderland is not at all what she expected it to be. She expected something kind of fun and quirky and a little bit mysterious. And it certainly is mysterious, but it's it's very, very corrupt. Um, the rabbit, for example, the white rabbit, who is supposedly very late, is this weird sort of skeletal creature that sort of looks like a human, oh. but has big antlers that kind of come down over the sides of his head. Um, and so to Alice, who, you know, is supposed to be a very young child when she goes down the rabbit hole, he appears to be a rabbit, but he is not. Um, and we meet the caterpillar, who is sometimes a caterpillar, sometimes a moth, sometimes a boy with wings. Oh. Um, wow. And it's just utterly enchanting. Um, it's very twisty. It's one of those books that really causes you to rethink all the things that you knew about this childhood story. And I just was utterly enthralled by it. There are two more books in the series and I plan to read them just as soon as I can. Um, so that again is Splintered. It's the first book in the Splintered trilogy and it's by H.G. E. Howard. So the next book I'm going to talk about is a fairy tale that was from a series that I found on Audible a couple of years ago by an author named Jill Miles called The Scarecrow King, a retelling of the King Thrushbeard fairy tale. Um, however, I went to look it up again the other day so I could refamiliarize myself with it to talk about during this podcast. And unfortunately, all of the other books that were up there on Audible in the series are gone besides this one. And I don't really understand where they went or how that happened. So she did these retellings of fairy tales besides this one, where a modern person is thrown back into like the fairy tale and, but they're modern and this one is not modern. And I really, I really enjoyed it. And I, I thought the reader was very good. And this book this fairy tale tells the story of a girl named Rinda who appears in the beginning to be a total spoiled brat. She's just really, really repellent and she's spoiled and she's just not very nice. And of course she's beautiful. Of course. <laughs> Cause in fairy tales, you're either like sweet and kind and beautiful or you're cold and spoiled and dramatic and beautiful. Like there's really no, there's really no middle ground. And if you're ugly in a fairy tale, if you're a woman, you're usually like mean I feel like, <laughs> but so this fairy tale is about how Rinda wants to get her father's attention. And the only way to do that in her mind is to be this repellent, spoiled, awful person. And her father is trying to marry her off and she really doesn't want to be married off. She doesn't want to leave her home and her spoiledness and her father who she loves, even though she's spoiled and awful. And so she acts even worse when all these suitors come to win her hand. But that really, really messes things up for her because she literally runs into this, this man who looks kind of unassuming and kind of unkempt and just, she never even thought he came to be her suitor. And when she finds out that he's buying for her hand, she's like super offended because she's like this beautiful I'm like talking with my hands right now, like this beautiful, radiant on high, like 
how I'm so amazing and how dare anyone recommend that this foolish, insignificant person want to be, you know, why would you want that? And so, of course, through a course of events, her father marries her off to this this person. And he's supposedly a traveling minstrel, but he's very bad and he's a He's a terrible singer and they have to set out on this journey together. And I I don't want to talk too much about it because it it gives too much away, but basically what they both learn is appearances can be very deceiving and maybe she's not as spoiled and mean and awful as she appears. And maybe she is beautiful on the inside and not just the out. And then she comes to learn that maybe first impressions are not always right. And there's more to somebody than what you initially make a snap finger judgment about. And he really becomes a quite complex and interesting character and not like a bumbling, bad singing minstrel who's kind of foolish and supposedly only has a couple coins to his name. So if you want to read a good book, unfortunately, if you are on Audible, you can't read the rest of the series. But this book is called The Scarecrow King, a retelling of the King Thrushbeard fairy tale. And it is by Jill Miles. My final book is another tale as old as time, because of course, (laughs) it's all I read. So I, this book is called Hunted and it's by Megan Spooner. And it is kind of a, a, a YA book, I guess. But to me, it was much, I really enjoyed the writing. So it's about a, a young woman named uh, like Yiva. And um, this book is set in a kingdom somewhere else, but it's kind of vaguely Russian to me in tone. Um, and this young woman grew up with her father hunting in the forest. And her father is a, a very skilled hunter and um but then they went and lived in the city and she had to be like a friend to this flighty young baroness. And she hated it because she just wanted to be hunting. She just, and she has two sisters and they are not evil sisters for a change. The three of them love each other dearly. And there is a reversal in her father's fortune and they have to go live in his hunting cabin. And then her father becomes more and more obsessed with going into the woods because he thinks all of his problems are caused by the beast of the forest. Well, after he fails to return, our intrepid heroine, Eva, decides she's going to go into the forest to find her father. And she sets, up off, sets off on this quest and ends up kind of getting into this other wood that is uh, populated by some very um, kind of creepy creatures. And it's perpetual winter. And she ends up being kidnapped by this beast um, who is trying to keep her because he thinks she and her family are going to be what breaks his curse, his centuries long curse. And the thing that I enjoyed about this book is there are some other sort of fairy tale elements woven in because she tells him different fairy tales throughout the story, the heroine does. And I really enjoyed that part. And I enjoyed how they sort of got to know each other. But the beginning I felt was very slow and the ending to me felt rushed. And after all the buildup, at least for me, I I felt like I didn't quite understand 
how the author made it to her resolution of the story. There were, there was something missing. Um, but overall it was a, a lovely book to read and the writing was very good. And so if you enjoy Beauty and the Beast as much as I do, pick up Hunted by Megan Spooner. Am I the only one who is strangely intrigued by the idea of perpetual winter? Uh, no, no, you are not. As long as I don't have to live in perpetual winter, I can be intrigued by it. I would not want to. That's live, fair. I would not yeah, want to live that's in fair. it. No, no, that that could be kind of terrible. No, but I did like. I mean, it's just basically this guy is living in this like tumble down castle that's like a giant ruin in the middle of perpetual winter. So time kind of flows differently in that in that part of the wood. And I, I found that part to be very fascinating. My last pick is a retelling of the Cinderella story. And this is, I think, perhaps the most retelling-ish of a story of the books that I've chosen today. So this is All the Ever Afters, and it is by Danielle Keller. It came out earlier this year, and I really, really liked it. It is a fairy tale lacking magic. So if you're looking hmm. for something, you know, with, with all kinds of, like, magic, you, you're not going to want this. This read a lot like historical fiction, um, very dark historical fiction. And Agnes, who eventually becomes the stepmother of the girl we know as Cinderella, starts her life as a laundress and she eventually becomes a lady's companion and she marries this kind of yucky man she ends up um, running like an inn like a brewery and she leads a life that that is kind of tragic it's it's filled with a lot of misfortune um but eventually through all manner of strange circumstances she ends up marrying an older gentleman who lives in a castle and his daughter is the woman that is the girl that we know as cinderella and it's just i don't know how to describe it fully without giving a lot of things away but it takes everything that we thought we knew about Cinderella, about the ugly stepsisters, about the evil stepmother, and turns it completely on its head. And we're treated to a whole different idea of all of these people and all of these circumstances. And I loved the way she wove the elements that we thought of as, as magical in this fairy tale and made them completely mundane and believable. Um, it's it's not going to be for everybody because it is dark. So if you don't like a lot of darkness in your fairy tales, if you don't want to be depressed, you probably don't want to read this. But if you're like me and you like darker, kind of disturbing books that look at history in a way that we don't often think about it, you probably will want to pick up All the Ever Afters by Danielle Teller. So what you're telling me is there are no singing mice that pull carriages? There are not. And the, oh. the pumpkin um, does not turn into a carriage. It's just a carriage. <laughs> no pumpkin involved. <laughs> wow. And there's no fairy godmother that... No bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Well, well bibbidi-bobbidi-boo does not occur. <laughs> However, the fairy godmother is sort of this, like, abbess of oh. this 
very prestigious convent. And she is the godmother of Cinderella, but she's certainly not a fairy. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. So my next book was also an audible romance find. And it's actually a trilogy, but I'm only going to talk about the first one. And again, I really hope I'm saying this author's name right. Um, She is a more young adult author. um, And she writes as Melissa Hogg, H-A-A-G, when she writes her more young adultish books. But these are very adult, extreme. Do not let your young people read these. And um, she writes under the name M.J. Hogg, Hag, H-A-A-G. And these books are a beautyish and the beastish retelling. I, I was going to say retelling-ish, but that sounds even silly. But it is so much more than that. And it's called Depravity, a beastly tale, book one. And it is about a girl who lives with her father and her two sisters in a world that I don't, it's not really our world necessarily. And they live close to an estate. And the lord of the estate, nobody really ever sees him. But if you try to sneak into the estate, you get like pitched over the wall. And it's not a good thing for you to get into the estate. You need to stay out. The, the lord of the estate doesn't want anyone there. Clearly. Cle- no, yes. Yeah. I, don't, I think getting pitched over the wall would probably, you know. But of course, people are always trying to sneak in because the estate is this thriving area in a kind of poor, poor, uh, like, community around it. They're, they're struggling. They live hand to mouth. And so our, our heroine, whose name is, um, I think it's Vanilla, she hunts for her family. She goes into the forest and she gathers food for dinner Everybody kind of has their jobs. The father is like a teacher, an educator, a lover of books. And then she has two sisters who I don't want to talk too much about, but you get to know more and more and more about them as you read the books. And they're very unpleasant, but she loves her family and doesn't see people for the unpleasantness. She sees the good in people. And so she hunts and she goes near the estate and the estate will offer her up things. Like she'll be able to find sometimes like, a thicket of berries or a, a patch of potatoes around the walls of the estate. And it like offers her up things, which is very interesting. So she's able to um, feed her family and care for them, which she loves. And one day she is going to the baker. She needs flour to give to her sister and she catches the baker um, basically forcing another business owner's wife to let him do nasty things to her in order for her to get her baking. And so he, and, and she sees that and, and the sons of the woman who has to do the things she doesn't really want to do, um, see her witness this and they start tormenting her and bullying her. And it's really horrible. They're mean and awful, repellent, 
awful people. And they keep trying to get her onto the estate and they keep doing all these things. And one day they overpower her and like throw her onto the estate and she becomes the, the, the Lord of the estate takes notice of her. And instead of hurting her, pitching her over the wall, he says that she has to spend time with him and, and, and do things for him. And, and it's starting off like cleaning rooms in his castle which is quite enchanted. He like lives there alone, but it's very enchanted, very interesting. And I, I will, I don't want to give too much more of this away because it's just, I, I really, I like them so much that I am, they are on my wish list and I'm going to buy them today. And I don't buy many audible romance package books. I mean, I love them, but I, you know, once I read them, I enjoy them. And then I, but I'm buying this trilogy. Um, some people don't like it because she does witness the uh, kind of, dark sexual thing between the beast lord or the lord of the estate who is very beastly and the a tree nymph because a lot of the creatures and even the um, plant life is quite enchanted on this estate but and I don't usually say that you know witnessing kind of an aggressive sexual thing would be something that I would condone or a book I would want to read but I will tell you that we do see the tree nymph later and she is okay because I think that's important for people to know it is because I don't usually condone books where basically a rapish type scene happens with the person that you're supposed to like you know what I mean you're supposed to want the beast to win and then you see him do this and but there are reasons why all these things have happened so if you literally, I could talk about this book all day. This is one of my absolute favorite Beauty and the Beast retellings. And it's very layered and it's a, it's pretty dark, but it's not dark. Like, you know, he hits her or drags her by her hair or anything. It's like sexy dark, but not in a bad way. So if you like that kind of fairy tale, I would highly, highly recommend that you read Depravity a beastly tale book one by mj hogg but there are also two more books in the series and i their names are escaping me right now but you have to read them all to really the story is not told in one book you have to read them all so i hope you enjoy i hope you enjoy depravity because i did Okay, and that brings us to the end of our show this evening. Thank you to Stacy and Sarah for talking with me today about all things fairy tale. Thank you, as always, to Christine for her fabulous editing. And thank you to all of you who have tuned in. If you want to get in touch with us, again, you can do so via Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. And you can email us at thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. We all hope you have a wonderful evening, and I hope your next few days are filled with fabulous reads. Good night, everybody. Goodbye.